you're listening to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. Welcome to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. I'm Michael Smelter, and I am here as always with my man, Matt Hartwell. And Matt, it is great to be a Michigan Wolverine right now, is it not? Oh, it absolutely is. It is obviously every single day, uh, but today in particular, obviously, because you've uh, you've got some shining examples of of uh, the Michigan Wolverines taking steps forward to the next level, and uh, it's always great to see those guys. You know, they work so hard for the program, uh, finally getting their uh, getting their paid dues, you know, given to them. So congrats to all of those guys. And of course, Matt is referring to the NFL draft, which just happened yesterday. If you're, uh, well, the the third day of the draft completed yesterday. Um, and by the time you guys are going to be listening to this, it will be a couple, you know, a couple days later. Uh, we were going to do a, a defensive depth chart prediction this week, but we decided to push that to next week because we just have so much cool stuff going on uh, with the University of Michigan football program. Uh, the NFL draft was amazing. It, it seems like every single name that we were hoping would get drafted did, which it's almost never the case. I mean, our, you know, there were a, our, like our guy, Jamon Green, got picked up as an undrafted free agent after the fact. Uh, None of us really expected him to get drafted anyway, based on uh, where he was ranked. But um, anyway, before we dive all the way into the NFL draft, which we are definitely going to do, I think it's just pertinent to mention uh, the reason why I said it was it's so good to be a, a Michigan Wolverine today is we are still sitting atop the 2024 recruiting rankings, and we seem to have built built upon that this week. So. Michigan uh, is ranked number one in the country recruiting, which is it just feels so good to say that because even with all of our recent success, we were lagging behind a little bit. But now we are uh, firmly planted in the number one position. And then we added a transfer who's going to be eligible to play immediately uh, at a position that we really needed to uh, somebody to fill in at. James Turner uh, transfers from Louisville, one of the best kickers in the country. Uh, he's going to step step in for uh, Jake Moody, so we are likely not going to miss a beat in the kicking game. And then we got another big offensive line commit. Sharon Moore is just cleaning house right now. Jake Garnera uh, committed to Michigan as well this week to build upon that number one class. Uh, Matt, any any comments on the recruiting? Uh, do, do you think we're going to stay number one, top five, top ten? Like if you had to guess, where where do you think we're going to end up? You know, it's interesting, Mike, uh, because really what I, I feel like uh, the most recent commits, you know, of uh, of Brady Prescorn, uh, you know what I mean, Blake Frazier, guys like that, I really almost feel like solidify the forward momentum that this recruiting class is continuing to build. So I think that we're going to continue this momentum and, and maintain uh, one of those top top recruiting spots you know obviously god willing but uh but i think that it may continue that way until we eventually miss out on a recruit and that momentum stops you know which i don't see 
as being the case. You know, Michigan is continuing to pick up uh, well-rounded guys. They're continuing to pick up big name guys, which are only drawing in more big names, you know, and it's uh, it's difficult to see it stopping or this recruiting class ending up on on any type of bad footing, barring obviously any type of internal explosion during the course of the season, which uh, hopefully does not happen. But you know, I think uh, think that things are going to continue to happen that are great for this twenty twenty four recruiting class. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's I think it's safe to say that this class is on its way to being a top five class in the country. There was a time when we thought we would land seven, eight, nine. I I think based on the momentum, I I think it's safe to say that this class will land um, in the top five. Now, granted, in today's day and age, uh, transfers and decommitments happen like you know like overnight. It seems like, but um, there is a world a universe that exists where Michigan could end up number one overall at the, at the very end. Um, but what that would take is for some of these five-star guys that have, that have been visiting Michigan to unexpectedly um, commit right right now. It looked like Jaden Davis was probably going to be our only five-star commitment. Uh, but now we're start we're really starting to trend for some of these bigger name guys. And so in order to, to, end up ranked higher than Georgia, Alabama, even Ohio State, who already has a couple five-star wide receivers. We know about them uh, quite a bit. Uh, it would take an, a few more five-star commitments in this class, but um, the good news is we don't really need to have the number one recruiting class, and that is a very good segue to uh, what, what we just experienced was the NFL draft. Michigan sent nine guys um total in the nfl draft that that was second only to uh bama and georgia who sent uh, 10 guys overall and the the difference is michigan's players were not um coming out of high school top 300 guys i think mozzie smith was the only guy that was a top 300 player coming out of high school and nevertheless nine of them get selected. So it's a testament to what Ben Herbert is doing, what Jim Harbaugh and his entire coaching staff are doing. Um, let's go ahead and, you know, we can run through this maybe day by day. We'll break it up by draft day. And so uh, the first uh, day of the draft, we saw Mozzie Smith go in the first round. Then we saw Luke Schoonmaker and DJ Turner go in the second round. Um, well, I guess... Second round was day two. So here we go. First round, Mozzie Smith um, to the Dallas Cowboys. How are, you, how are you feeling about that one? I thought it was an excellent uh, pickup from Dallas's end. And, you know, I really was hoping that Mozzie would get a little bit of the benefit of the doubt as far as his projections go. And uh, I don't know if you even saw, but, uh, but Mason Brew had put out an article that um, Micah Parsons uh, had texted uh, Jerry Jones or something to that effect and said, uh, said you got to get that guy <laughs> in, in terms of Mozzie Smith. So uh, that was funny to see. You know, the guy is obviously a beast at, at stopping the run. So I think that he fits what they need very well. I think that uh, it's an excellent pickup on Dallas's end, and I can't wait to see the kind of impact that he has there. 
Yeah, I had heard that uh, that Michael Parsons I was reaching out to. I, th- I think it might have been Dan Quinn, their defensive coordinator. That was yes, he you was are saying correct, like I think he's like go go get this guy, go get Mozzie. And and uh, what a cool feeling for a rookie to know that uh, pretty much the best defensive player on the team uh, was was already in your court, right? That you know, I don't think that uh, I don't think that Mozzie Smith has to worry too much about getting hazed like some other rookies do. I mean, Mozzie, he's a big boy, right? Like he might be able to step up in there without too without too many people messing with him. Uh, but yeah, you know, he went a little bit higher than uh, was anticipated. I, I, you know, I saw some projections to to Dallas or in the late teens, early twenties in the first round, but a lot of what I was seeing was Mozzie might fall to the the second. And uh, it's probably because he doesn't really, he he hasn't really exhibited closing pass pass rusher uh, speed, you know. And and he he's like an he's an amazing, phenomenal interior guy. He's a run stopper. He's NFL pro level, elite, probably pro bowl level talent on the interior of that line. But um, I thought the Cowboys reached up just a tad to get him which is cool and um and then they also reached up in the second round I thought just a tad and picked another Michigan Wolverine Luke Schoonmaker goes with the I want to say it was the 58th overall pick in the NFL draft so a second round 58th overall also to the Dallas Cowboys like man uh you know I I knew Schoonmaker was grading out well but uh, that's a hell of a, a position to be drafted for this guy. Uh, do you think the Cowboys are, have been watching some Michigan games? I mean, obviously, man. I gotta, uh, I gotta say, I wasn't expecting Schoon to be picked at that that particular spot. He really wasn't uh, a name that I was expecting to hear in general called along that general tier of of picks. But I was so happy to see him valued where he was valued and get picked up uh by dallas who also picked picks up mozzie so we got a couple of wolverines over there in dallas now might have to get my cowboy hat ready uh uh because you know it's looking interesting they're also facing off not to uh not to give you a good segue here but they're also going to be facing off against another michigan uh another team that picked up some michigan guys in seattle so I think uh, it's really going to be exciting to see uh, not just not just Dallas, but a lot of these uh, teams that picked up some Michigan Wolverines yesterday and the previous few days. Yeah, you mentioned Seattle, and uh, I've never seen a draft quite like this for Michigan because what happened was we had nine players selected. Um, eight of them were were selected by four teams, and so there were there were four teams that each took two Michigan players. It was almost like we were like, you know, we had these little package deals all over the board getting drafted. And so uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Let, let, let's look at, so day two, Luke Schoonmaker goes. Shortly after that, Dax Hill goes to the Bengals. And you mentioned Micah Parsons uh, campaigning for Mozzie Smith. And it, it's hard for me to believe that uh, the Bengals would draft DJ Turner without at least talking to Dax Hill, right? Like, I, I feel like Dax Hill might have been given him the stamp of approval before they made this selection because now DJ Turner, 
and Dax Hill are going to be in the same secondary for Cincinnati, which um, is pretty cool. Yeah, you know, uh, it's it's certainly very interesting, you know, to think of it in that dynamic because uh, you've got two guys that are going to be very familiar in that secondary together. I think it's going to be very interesting to uh, to see what kind of chemistry those two guys bring to Cincinnati. Uh, just very exciting things happening everywhere in the NFL with uh, with the Michigan Wolverines. It's going to be like a Michigan Wolverine fest next year in the NFL. I foresee. Uh huh. And that you know those guys in the secondary of the Bengals they they give me flashbacks to Leon Hall. You know Leon Leon Hall had a a, a heck of a Michigan career in the secondary. Uh, went on to play for the Cincinnati Bengals and play really well for them for for quite a while. And um, but I you know at the to wrap up day two for Michigan with the 99th overall pick in the draft. We get what I to me might be the most exciting pick of the draft. Um, Jake Moody goes in the third round. I mean, th- this just does not really happen. Jake Moody is now the fourth kicker since the year 2000 to go in the first three rounds of the NFL draft. So that that puts him in elite talent. I mean, I, I said like since the year 2000. In the year 2000, we're talking about Sebastian Janikowski, right? Like we're we're talking about guys that uh, if you get picked this high in the NFL draft as a kicker, I mean, you you're you're on pace for to be one of these like Morton Anderson like all time leading scorer kind of kickers, you know. And uh, I'm I just could not be more excited for our guy Jake Money Moody heading to the San Francisco. 49ers man any any uh what were you feeling when moody got off the board that fast well i mean it was almost kind of like uh like comical to an extent because all uh off season long you've got like every michigan fan campaigning for like moody first round you know what i mean like draft booty first overall and obviously a lot of that is uh is like sarcasm and facetiousness but you know, Moody is just that good. You know, the the talent that he brought to uh, Michigan during his entire career, the talent that he's going to bring to San Francisco. I thought it was uh, uh, incredibly uh, ballsy on their part to go with a kicker uh, where they did in the draft, but they couldn't have chosen a better option in uh, Jake Moody. Certainly couldn't have written it better after uh, every Michigan fan wanted him to go in the first round, so to see him uh, see him go in the third was uh, was incredible. You couldn't have written it any better. Yeah, it's funny because that was kind of the joke, right? We were all tweeting out like Moody in the first round, Moody first overall pick. I had people like responding to my tweets like, "That's just unrealistic. That's not going to happen." I'm like, "Yeah, dude, it's a joke. Like, calm down. Like, we know he's a kicker. We get it." And then he ends up going in the like in the first hundred picks, which a- actually is kind of crazy. If you look at some of the like running backs and quarterbacks that Jake Moody got drafted ahead of, uh, it it's kind of wild, and it shows shows you uh, they see this guy as a generational kicker. Um, th- okay, then we we start day three. Uh, Michigan's you know already doing good. We've had four guys picked. We think like, yeah, we might send another one or two, right? Like we might end up with six, maybe seven picks in this draft. It's, it'll be nice. It'll be you know cool to see who goes. Well, Olu and Mike Morris 
almost consecutively, right? They were like two or three picks apart um, in the fifth round. Both go to the Seattle Seahawks and another apparent package Michigan deals. Uh, so we got the O-line and the D-line of the Seattle Seahawks over there. Uh, you know, was, And they got some skill position players in Seattle now too with Geno Smith playing well. Uh, the only thing I don't like about this is that Olu is going to be blocking for uh, Kenneth Walker. That I'm, I'm just not a fan of that, but uh, it's pretty cool to see those guys going to Seattle. Um, I, I tell you what, I guess my question in, in regards to these guys is, I think Mike Morris went about where he should have gone. Uh, I, I guess to me, I just don't understand why Olu it was not a higher prospect. I guess it's a a size and weight speed you know a measurables thing because this dude was the the best center in the country two years in a row in college and and he went 154th overall does that seem a little low to you because it does to me yeah absolutely and i think that uh i mean i don't know you know the usual uh the usual stuff I'm sure about like combine and measurables probably impacted where he ended up going but I just didn't see it. You know, the guy is an absolute workhorse on on not just Michigan, but even prior to Michigan at Virginia. The guy was a very respectable center, has everything that you're looking for in an offensive lineman. So I would have anticipated him going a little bit higher um, at the beginning of the draft, but also as the draft kind of wore on, you didn't see um, a ton of value from other teams as far as like their pursuit of the the center position so as i start to as i started to like see where some of the picks were going and some of the direction that other teams were taking and their needs it kind of did seem that uh that things were going to slide a little bit for olu but ultimately uh i'm happy for him he he was still still picked up at a a decent position, not as good as he probably will end up being worth. But uh, I think that the Seahawks are going to find that that man's going to do some real damage in terms of uh, defending the quarterback and the run game. Yeah. And so, you know, we've had Mozzie Smith, Luke Schoonmaker, DJ Turner, Jake Moody, Mike Morris, and Olu all uh, off the board. And so that was the point where, you know, I think most Michigan fans, if you're anything like me, you immediately turned your thoughts towards Ronnie Bell. We're all thinking like, okay, fifth, sixth, seventh round, like let's get Ronnie Bell off the board. Let's get him drafted. But Ronnie Bell is not the name and the next name that we heard. And this is where things got a little crazy. They got a little wonky. It's like Michigan's in this kind of can't lose momentum right now. And, uh, surprisingly at least at least i was i was like flabbergasted when this name got called at the end of the sixth round the cincinnati Bengals drafted brad robbins our punter who we all know and love the glorious mustache the great punter brad robbins and the reason why that's so surprising is like typically punters don't really get drafted maybe like really late in the seventh you know sometimes teams will take punters off the board but uh you know brad robbins getting drafted makes michigan only the second team in the last 40 years to have a kicker and a punter drafted in the same draft so uh i don't know we might be uh 
kicker you over here now. So uh, Brad Robbins, the mustache goes in the sixth round. Uh, how do you feel about that? I was uh, I was shocked, honestly. You know, first you get Moody going in uh, going in round three, and then you get uh, Brad Robbins going in in round six. So uh, it was amazing. Brad Robbins is just an amazing uh, individual and human being. So couldn't think of a more deserving punter to get that call. Uh, I know he's also an Ohio guy, so. I know a lot of players look forward to the opportunity to potentially play in their home state. And uh, I don't know if you heard the call, but uh, they even they even showed the call on social media where uh, where the owner of the Bengals gave Brad the call and he answered and he was just kind of in disbelief, I think, a little bit. And then he was like, oh, shit, Uh, while he was on the phone with the guy like, thank you, man. And uh you could just hear the gratitude in his voice, and uh, it's it's a cool story, Brad Robbins. So I can't wait to see uh, what he does and how deep he pins other teams uh, lay, uh, later on in his career. So congrats, Brad. Yeah, we could see both of those guys, Jake Moody and Brad Robbins, have uh, illustrious NFL careers. And then the next name that got called was also not Ronnie Bell. This was a guy that I thought might be an undrafted free agent. I didn't know if Ryan Hayes was going to uh, get off the board, and he did. Luckily, he did with the 238th pick overall in the seventh round. Our offensive lineman, Ryan Hayes, um, from the the best offensive line in the country two years in a row, the Sharon Moore award-winning offensive line. We're going to change it from the Joe Moore award to the Sharon Moore award. Um So Ryan Hayes goes to the Miami Dolphins, and the Dolphins, embarrassingly for them, are the only team that picked a Wolverine, but but forgot to pick a second Wolverine. I don't like. What are you doing, Miami? Everybody knows if you're gonna pick one, you gotta pick another one. So Ryan Hayes goes to the Dolphins, which was cool. And then uh, we start getting towards the end of the draft, Mister Irrelevant, right? And and I I know that you were feeling the same way that I was feeling, Matt, because I saw a couple of your tweets. You were out there campaigning for Ronnie Bell. I was getting mad. I was like straight up getting mad because if anybody on this team has shown progress, development, grit, determination, ability, uh, it's Ronnie Bell. And yet, was he a three-star recruit? Yes. Did he tear his ACL a little over a year ago? Yes. But the dude, I mean, he, he, he showed out in the combine. He showed that he's a hell of a player and belonged uh, on an NFL team. And I didn't think he was going to go. I stopped paying attention the last few picks. I was like, this is, this is terrible. I went outside and I was playing with my daughter and uh, had the TV on. And my wife yelled from inside the house, you know, Ronnie Bell to the 49ers. And I was just like, yes, you know, because I, I, he's just one of those guys that you love to root for. And so, um, man, it is good to see Ronnie Bell uh, drafted into the NFL, man. It, it, it's not only is it good to see as a fan, but for a position that we really are trying to develop that we've kind of been lagging behind in the wide receiver position, it goes a long way for recruiting to get guys drafted. So um, I'm going to shut up now. That's my little Ronnie Bell celebratory rant, but uh, I know you were you were feeling good about it too, weren't you? Yeah, you know, as it uh, got into that like fifth, sixth round territory, I was 
I was following it pretty closely, you know, like what uh, teams needed what and just because I was very curious to see how close Michigan was going to wind up to to come to finishing out this draft like perfect for for most of their guys getting drafted. And, uh, you know, I, I was a big believer in both Ryan Hayes and Ronnie. I, I pretty much envisioned all of Michigan's guys going in this draft at the start of it, with the exception of Jamon Green. Uh, I think a lot of Michigan fans saw it that way with with Ryan and Ronnie both still getting drafted late in the draft. So I was hopeful um, I, I saw that San Fran could possibly use a wide receiver and that they had uh, like like three picks in that that uh, last round of the draft. So I thought that that might be a possibility for him. But I was like you. I had kind of stopped paying attention with like uh, with like 10, 10, 15 picks left or something. And then I saw somebody in the Maze and Brew channel uh, mention that Ronnie Bell just uh, goes to San Fran, and uh, I was ecstatic. You know, you can't think of a more deserving individual. Um, obviously, a guy that stayed uh, a lengthy amount of time at Michigan was a contributor all throughout his his years here, and uh, has a great story. You know, came off of of a sidelining injury in which he saw no playing time for almost an entire year, and uh, I think that he'll have a similar impact on the 49ers or whatever NFL team he ends up on later in his career. But I just think this guy's a dog. I think that they're, whatever team uh, he ends up on for the entirety of his career, we'll see, you know, the guy's going to work his way into a uh, position, whether it be wide receiver three, wide receiver two, or a leading wide receiver position like he saw at Michigan. But you know, he just really didn't get a ton of targets during his time at Michigan, whether that be for the type of offense that Michigan runs or or other factors. But Ronnie Bell is still a guy that uh, that can get you some some yards in a ball game. So I'm excited for him. Ryan Hayes, uh, you know, I think that he you will also see him make a, a little bit more of a splash than you're expecting for a late round pick just because. Miami needs offensive line help. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of Miami fans that are wondering why they waited as long as they did to get it in this draft, but they've got it in Ryan Hayes. So he's got an opportunity to, uh, to do some things during the offseason and hopefully wind up in some competitive minutes. Well, you know, you mentioned that Ryan Hayes might make a little bit more of a splash than people think. And, and uh, that kind of segues into a few a few of these questions that that I wanted to ask you. And so um, we're going to ask a few Michigan related questions about about the draft, and then maybe one non Michigan related question. And I will answer these as well. But let's start with which player drafted do you think will have the biggest immediate impact? I mean, is it cheating if I say Jake Moody, right? You know, I I think uh, the uh, Jake Money Moody, I think he makes a huge splash in San Francisco. You don't just reach up and grab a kicker in the third round because you're not expecting them to put points on the board uh, quickly and immediately. So I think uh, Jake Money Moody will be the biggest impactor of uh, Michigan's uh, draftees this year. 
That's a very smart pick, you know, and I, I had him as well, but I switched my pick because I, I was going back and forth between two guys because I agree. Uh, Jake Moody's going to be the starting kicker, right? You don't draft a kicker in the third round and then not use him like that. That would be crazy. So he's obviously going to be their guy game one. But I went with the other obvious pick. You know, you you don't really draft a guy in the first round of the NFL draft unless you expect to field him right away. And uh, so I just basically like this was I'm like nitpicking here, right? Jake Moody will probably have to wait a series or two to get on the field based on, uh, I mean, a, granted a kickoff, but I don't think that really counts. He he might have to wait a series or two to get a field goal or extra point, whereas Mozzie Smith will likely be in first play, first series. So I'm going to go ahead and say Mozzie Smith, um, although you could flip a coin between those two guys. They're They're obviously both going to be on the field early and often. Um, let's let's transition to the next question here. Which player drafted will have the longest career? And you know, I actually I had to go uh, go to some analytics here for this answer because I wasn't sure. Uh, just I mean, that is if you're taking uh, Jake Moody and Brad Robbins out of the equation. You know, obviously uh, kickers and punters are the obvious answer because they stick around for a lengthy period of time. And then next uh, is actually quarterbacks. So I uh, I had to go a little bit to the analytics for this, but I, I found that offensive linemen are right there under quarterbacks uh, on the average amount of time that they, that their careers last. And I really only went digging in these analytics to like reaffirm my, my suspicion. So I didn't sound dumb. Uh, with my answer, but I'm going to say Olu. And uh, and that okay. was who I had before I went looking at stats. I just think that Olu is is a career guy. I think that he's going to have um, a lengthy, lengthy career on the Seahawks or wherever he ends up uh, enjoying the, the length of his career at. And uh, I think that it'll definitely be him. I think he's a sleeper going at the pick that he went at in the draft, first of all. And I think that he makes a immense impact for for an extended period of time. Yeah, that's a good pick, and and I'm I'm glad that we didn't like clarify the the guidelines of these questions at all because it, it allows us to have some different picks here, which is always fun. So I went with the low hanging fruit here. I didn't disqualify Jake Moody from the question. For me, Jake Moody is the most obvious answer for the longest career. Right, like you got all these positions, and you got one guy that's really not getting hit you know like he's not going to get hit at all uh brad robbins could potentially get hit but you know i just see a third round draft pick jake moody i mentioned uh sebastian janikowski earlier uh like that dude played for like had to be like 25 years or something so if jake moody is in that league uh i you know i think that we would see him uh you know what screw it i'm gonna make a prediction jake moody will retire the all-time leading scorer in NFL history, Jake Money Moody. Uh, come, come, uh, come, talk to me in about twenty-five years, and we will, uh, we'll probably have a few more gray hairs at that point. But uh, Jake Moody will be the leading scorer all time. I wouldn't be surprised one bit, and honestly, I wanted to answer Jake Moody for all of the questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Uh, so, uh, question number three here: Which player drafted will surprise some people? 
I went uh, and I just kind of answered this in my long winded uh, talk about Ronnie Bell and Ryan Hayes a few minutes ago. But, uh, you know, I think both Ronnie Bell and Ryan Hayes are are the the quote unquote steals of this draft. And that's also if I'm disqualifying Olu for the sake of just having answered him for the last question. Because I think being picked uh, at the spot that he was picked at, he'll also be one that ends up surprising some people. But uh, I'm going to say Ryan Hayes or Ronnie Bell. I think either of those guys have a chance on the teams that they were drafted at to uh, to make an impact and at least get themselves some rotational time uh, this year that's a little bit meaningful. Yeah, I, I went with Ronnie Bell. As well, I think uh, Ronnie Bell is definitely going to surprise some people. I could see him as a long time wide receiver three slot receiver making a lot of plays. You know, you've got sometimes these uh, big, strong, tall, fast receivers on the outside in the NFL. I could see Ronnie Bell just eating all day long when those guys pulled the safeties towards them and Ronnie could get open in one on one. Uh, I definitely see. Ronnie Bell surprising some people. I, I hope I'm right about that because I, you know, I could, I, I could see him being one of those guys that sticks around and, and is a contributor on some very good teams. Um, all right, let's let's transition away from Michigan here. What uh, like non-Michigan pick or picks in the draft uh, did you think uh, did you like the most? Like what what do you think the some of the best picks in the entire draft were? And I'm uh, I'm so glad that you threw this question in there because I did have uh, one pick that I was exceptionally excited to talk about a little bit, and that is Detroit's uh, pickup a little bit later in the second round of uh, Brian Branch out of Alabama. I don't know if you uh, fought, I know that you're not a huge Lions guy yourself, Mike, but um, obviously I was I was following them. Uh, extremely closely in that first round. There was like outrage following their initial uh, selection of uh, of the Alabama running back at, uh, at spot number 12. First, they traded back because they had the sixth pick. Uh, they winded up trading that pick back to number 12, uh, taking Gibbs from Alabama uh, in an, in an precedent to what would eventually be DeAndre Swift getting traded for more picks as well. But uh, but after that, they took uh, Brian Branch, who is the number one ranked safety uh, coming out of this draft class, and they got him at like pick number 14 in the second round. So the 14th pick in the second round. So uh, it was uh, an incredible pickup to kind of even out the fan base's unhappiness uh, with taking a running back where they did, uh, and they also got um, they also got some great guys from Iowa that I'm very excited about. But you know, uh, Brian Branch uh, is he was the number one ranked safety coming out of this class, and he was there in attendance in person at the draft, which tells you that you know this guy could have gone very easily in the first round. Uh, they did an interview with him where he was like, "I'm a dog," you know, like. Uh, he just had this general like swag about him that I just can't wait to see what he does for uh, for the Lions going forward. Well, first off, let me clear something up. The Detroit Lions drafted our Lord and Savior, Aiden Hutchinson, 
So I am very much a lion's guy. All right. So I did, you know, I might not be a, a lifer like you are, but I'm a lion's, I'm a lion's guy now. Um, well, I can and, appreciate that. And with that being said, I, so I had two picks in this draft that really stuck out to me. Um, though actually there were several, but there's two that I'm bringing up, bringing to the show right now for this sake. And one of them was the Detroit Lions. And it was not one that you mentioned. I love, absolutely love the Hendon Hooker in the third round pickup. And I know that was a little controversial. Some people were like, why are you doing that? Um, it's an amazing insurance policy for, for Jared Goff, right? Like Jared Goff's the man. He can sling it. We know he can. He's good. Um, but Hendon Hicker had, uh, sorry, Hendon Hooker has w- w- like kind of the highest ceiling. You know, of course, you got Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, but his ceiling is right up there with those guys, right? Like, we don't really know. This dude might end up being like an all time great quarterback. The, the potential is there based on what we saw him doing in college last year before he got hurt. Now, you don't want to draft this guy in the first or second round because that adds a lot of pressure to start him early. He's coming off of a, I think it was an ACL tear. He's coming off an, an injury. So you don't really know what he's going to look like. And uh, to me, it's it's perfect having Hendon Hooker back up Jared Goff. If anything happens to Goff, you've got a guy there ready to go. Or, um, and I, and I, I don't know how you feel about golf. You might get mad at me for saying this, Matt. Like, but I love but he, golf before yeah, you so say anything. I, I do too. I do too. But I'm I'm just going to I'm going to speak on him in the the most unbiased way that I can pos- <sighs> like possibly. He's not a top five, six, seven quarterback in the league, right? Like on his That's best fair. on his best day, he's like. I mean, there's a lot of good quarterbacks in this league, right? So. He, most people, I think, would rank him between the 10 to 15 range. Um, I think a lot of Lions fans would say, no, he's definitely top 10, which that's cool, too. I, I see that. But um, you don't know, you know, in four years from now, you don't really know for sure uh, what Goff's legacy is going to be. So how cool is it that they have this really talented quarterback um, sitting there, like w- waiting, ready to go? a guy that they can develop patiently, which we've seen patiently developing quarterbacks in the NFL can, can go a long way for some guys. And so I, I love that pick. Um, do you want, you want to speak on that as a Lions fan before I move on to the other one I like? I, I will speak on that a little bit. And it's not to disagree with you because I do believe that, uh, that there is somewhat of a shelf life to uh, being able to to play at a certain type of level when you've proven that that you might not be able to play at that level all the time, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean that we've seen Goff play incredible last season, and I'm a huge believer in Jared Goff. Like, I think that he can be the starting quarterback next year for this team, and I think that they'll do amazingly. But you've also seen Jared Goff not play well. And that's just factual, you know what I mean? Which uh, makes me feel good. I feel good with the Hendon Hooker pick because it uh, it it gives you a fail safe in the event that Jared Goff can't continue that same level of play uh, that he that he's attained uh, last season and then the season where he made it to the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? So 
you uh <clears throat> you hope that obviously he continues to be the guy and that he's great but i do see your point where where he's had days where he's not a top 10 quarterback in the nfl you know what i mean so you got to be prepared for that and the best way to be prepared for that is by having a reliable superstar at a backup quarterback uh, coming from college at Hendon Hooker. So I'm stoked about it. I mean, this dude was good in college. Like they, he was I, w- with Stroud and Bryce Young and everybody in there, like included uh, before he got hurt. He, he was pretty much the Heisman quarterback, right? He was like, he was playing better than anybody and he was carrying that Tennessee team. So It'll be interesting to see how he develops and if he even gets a shot. Um, I don't think that this year he's really going to see a crucial game action, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how he develops. Another pick that I really liked, what happened in the sixth round, uh, the Dallas Cowboys picked up Deuce Vaughn running back from Kansas State. Now, uh, Anybody that has watched Deuce Vaughn play, um, you know, you know how good this guy is. He reminds me of another guy that that played for Kansas State back in the day and had an incredible NFL career, a guy by the name of Darren Sproles, right? And I feel like Deuce Vaughn has that Darren Sproles ability, and the Cowboys got him in the sixth round. Um, And what makes it even cooler is, is uh, there's a little video out there of the phone call. So Deuce Vaughn's dad is actually on the staff of the Dallas Cowboys. And when they made the call to him, uh, his dad was like tearing up and crying. And like, it was it was just one of those really cool like sports moments that was just emotional to see. But uh, don't be surprised, guys, if uh, Deuce Vaughn is making plays early and often for the Cowboys and everybody's kicking themselves for not picking this guy up sooner. Um, I I will go as far as to say that um out of all the great running backs in the league in the in the NCAA last year, Deuce Vaughn was one of like two or three guys that I consider um the up to Blake Corum's caliber. Like like he he is one of the you know, Bijan Robinson at Texas, obviously, uh graded out well as a pro as a pro uh prospect, but Deuce Vaughn was right up there. So great pick by the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, and I, uh, I obviously, I love the pick as well. I saw the video as well, and uh, you know, tugs at your heartstrings a little bit uh, to see that that connection and uh, and the meaning, the the inner workings of the meaning of that, and everything like that for uh, for the dad and and Deuce. You know, um, I uh, I also am really excited to see how he does in today's day and age NFL because. He, uh, he he brings a lot of vibes of Blake Corum, so I'm excited to uh, to see if a guy like that of his uh, his build and his his height and everything can still be uh, successful uh, with that style of play in today's NFL, which I'm totally confident that they can. I was a huge Darren Sproles fan whenever uh, back in the day, whenever he was on the Chargers and making all kinds of uh all kind basically revolutionized the uh that the position at at that type of uh measurables that he was at. So, I'm very excited to see what Deuce does in the NFL, excited to see what Blake does when he eventually goes uh and it's uh it's awesome. 
So Michigan finishes with nine draft picks. Uh, looking at the Big Ten, so that was the most in the Big Ten. Ohio State and Penn State both had six draft picks, so considerably less. Purdue with five and uh, Maryland with five as well. Northwestern, Illinois, Iowa, all with four. Michigan State, Minnesota, and Wisconsin with three. Nebraska with two. And Rutgers with one draft pick. So in the Big Ten, you got Michigan right up near the top. Ohio State, Penn State, Maryland, and Purdue kind of uh, clumped together in that uh, two through five range. And I, I posted a graphic of this, and man, the Buckeyes are salty. They are salty. They were, they were like, oh, how many of those went in the first round? And that, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, hey, listen, guys, uh, I, I didn't make the rules, you know? I, I'm like, the Big Ten just runs through Michigan now. We've beaten Ohio State two years in a row. And, and so when I post something that just shows that we got more draft picks, you don't really get to come back with like, oh, but where in the draft were they positioned exactly? It's like, you know what? You know, come come talk to me, uh, you know, some other time. You know, this isn't this isn't uh, 2015 where you guys are just running things. Sorry, it's just the way it is now. Uh, one thing I, I do want to talk about is uh, is the unfortunate positioning of Jamon Green. You know what I mean? And really like, just makes me sad a little bit, you know, because you've got uh, Jamon Green, who unfortunately winds up uh, an undrafted free agent, which isn't like the most terrible circumstance to happen in somebody's life. Uh, but still, you know, it's unfortunate. You look at, at Michigan, who has a glaring need at the cornerback position, uh, and then Jamon Green, who who might not have been quite ready to uh to take that step to the next level it's just something that uh that nobody really talks about too much and uh obviously it's a lot whole lot of shoulda coulda woulda but i mean leading up uh, leading up to the draft i didn't even see anything about jamon green you know what i mean like i didn't see a combine performance on record for him i didn't see like any type of projection, like I nothing, almost as if the dude didn't even enter the NFL draft, but just still existed. You know what I mean? Outside of like an ability to actually compete to be a part of the NFL draft. I mean, it just kind of sucks, you know, uh, you just kind of uh, kind of wish that he would have stuck it out and been that that second secondary starting corner for Michigan this year. And uh but, you know, who knows? You never really know the inner workings of all that type of thing or if he might have felt that he was in danger of being passed up or something like that, which clearly I, I don't know if he was. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just just kind of sucks, man. It's almost like a what's the deal for me for this this segment almost. Yeah, well, you know, that's the risk. We've seen it before, and it, it won't be the last time that we see it. Sometimes guys choose to go, you know, declare for the draft and they don't get picked. Now, there's worse situations to be in. He was picked up as an undrafted free agent. He's going to have an opportunity to make a team. He's probably going to make some money in the process. Like, it's not the worst place to be. But, yeah, could he have improved his draft stock by sticking around one more year? Could he have helped Michigan by sticking around one more year? Probably. But like you, like you alluded to, Matt, we don't know the inner workings. There might have been a personality thing. The guy's been in college for a while. His dream, I'm sure, was to go to the NFL. So he he took a shot at it. And 
he'll have a chance still. Like getting drafted is not the only pathway to the NFL. Um, so yeah, you know, that that's an inherent risk that goes along with it. Um, to wrap those up Those who show, stay. Those who stay will be champions, right? right that's, that, that rings true now more than ever. Um, and that is a good segue to what I wanted to wrap up our show with. Um, so many, m- many listeners might be aware, if anybody follows me on social media, I've been counting down the top 50 Michigan football players since 1990. I kept it since 1990 because I want, it's a little tougher to evaluate and compare guys that played uh, back in the day. So I kept it, uh, you know, what I consider the modern era. And then, uh, you know, there was a little bit of controversy, which I knew there was going to be with how I ordered the top three picks. All Michigan fans that are worth a damn know that the GOAT is Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson is number one. That's where I put him. We can all agree on that. But a man by the name of Desmond Howard has uh, been solidly sitting in that second position, in my opinion, for years and years. And he's almost, he's like in that untouchable status, right? Like, he, and, and, and he should be. Desmond Howard, this is not a slight against you, my man. I love you. You are amazing. You are a legend. You know, absolutely dominated during your time at Michigan. Struck the Heisman pose. Icon, legend. But don't downplay or underestimate what we saw in 2021 out of Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden, our Lord and Savior, Hutchinson. Because you know, people are accusing me of recency bias. They're like, well, that just happened. It's recency bias. You're putting Aiden Hutchinson above Desmond Howard. Well, I'm accusing you of history bias. You guys need to to wake up and don't let the world pass you by and don't be blind to the fact that what we witnessed when Aiden Hutchinson was at Michigan was absolutely legendary and he deserves to be considered the second best Michigan football player of all time behind Charles Woodson. In 2020, Michigan was two and four. Jim Harbaugh was on the verge of getting fired. If if we have one more poor performance or bad season, we lose to Ohio State, it doesn't pan out well. Harbaugh's gone. The program's in rebuilding mode. Michigan is at risk of drifting into perpetual obscurity and none of the joy that we get to experience today, like the number one recruiting class, all of those things, none of it happens back-to-back Big Ten championships, none of it happens. And so Aiden Hutchinson basically carries this team on his back. He breaks the sack record. He has the most legendary Ohio State performance that we've seen uh, since Charles Woodson. He gets second place in the Heisman voting, takes us to our first ever college football playoff and a Big Ten championship. I mean, what we saw out of Aiden Hutchinson was generational it was special it deserves to be respected and in my opinion it moves him into the second position behind charles woodson Uh, there are many people that were saying yeah but there were other guys on that 2021 team that had an impact of course there were of course of hassan haskins uh david ojabo Cade mcnamara like there were guys making plays and they deserve to be respected um, but of course you could say that about Woodson's teams and Howard's teams. Like, of course there were other guys making plays, but um, on that snowy day, November 27th, 2021, Aiden Hutchinson gave us a masterclass performance and quite literally 
saved the University of Michigan's football program. Stop acting like he didn't, guys. He is the second best football player in Michigan's history. You know, I uh, I saw the rankings. I I didn't even argue with it just because I think it's a lot closer than uh, than people think. You know what I mean? And a lot of that, I believe, is due to uh, to history bias and almost like this this legendary status that that Des has cemented in people's minds, which of course is well well beyond well deserved. But uh, you know, I don't think that Aiden Hutchinson is a far cry for for that positioning. You know what I mean? I personally uh, might have still ranked Des um, at number two, just because he's got he's got a couple of seasons uh, under his belt where he was like like a real contributor. You know what I like? I think he had nineteen touchdowns in in ninety one or something like that. Uh, but you know, um, Aiden, you know, I think that, that, uh, he also, you know, he was victim to a terrible year where he was held back, but still, you know, throughout his entire time at Michigan, uh, a leader, uh, a guy that was responsible for, for turning the tides and, and basically what we're experiencing today is, uh, in large part Aiden Hutchinson's doing so, I uh, I will never argue with with the pick. I think they're both almost on even footing. I I give Des the slight edge, but uh, Hutch Hutch can go number two really in my mind any given day as well. Well, and that's how I feel about Des too. Like if you tell me that Desmond Howard is number two, I'm not I'm not going to like be like, oh my god, you're crazy. It's like that's a very logical thing to say. Um, the reason I'm all riled up about this is people were acting like I was crazy, and it's like, guys, wake up! Oh, like, I'm what sure we they saw, were. What, what we saw out of Aiden Hutchinson was, uh, it, I mean, it was it was the it was the biggest that Ohio State game was the biggest win for Michigan probably since 1969 when uh, Bo beat Woody for the first time, and Aiden Hutchinson was the centerpiece of that game, and so. Yeah, is it a smaller sample size? Uh, did Des have two years? Absolutely. Uh, and so no disrespect to Desmond Howard. I mean, considering him number three still puts him on the Mount Rushmore, it considers him a legend. Like, Des will forever and always be that dude. Um, just in my opinion, uh, Aiden Hutchinson solidified himself in that number two position. Okay, that's my rant. Uh Thank you, thank you, everybody, for listening to that and allowing me to go off. Uh, Matt, have a good week, my friend. Where can people follow you? Uh, as always, they can find me on my main Twitter handle at Maze Crusader or uh, any of the stuff that we're tweeting out at Maze and Brew or putting out uh, content-wise at uh, mazeandbrew.com. And you guys can follow me on Twitter at Wolverine Cron. I have a website, wolverinechronicle.com. And then uh, YouTube channel as well. Uh, it's youtube.com slash Wolverine Chronicle or Wolverine Cron. Just Google it. You'll find it. Um, thank you, guys. That's our show for today. And as always, go blue. Go blue.